We welcome you into another episode of Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein, host of SiriusXM's Cars and Culture on Business Channel 132. The macroeconomic headwinds are piling up within the industry. From energy costs to the cost of capital, there are a number of challenges coming from multiple directions. On top of all of that, labor shortages persist in the supply base, especially in the manufacturing and software areas. Given that, which trends will take shape over the course of the next year? Today on the program, RSM provides a window into what's next. As the industry transitions from efficiency to resiliency, from global to regional operating models, strategic sourcing is coming into focus. And of course, there's the ever-present semiconductor shortages, as well as the pricing on raw materials. With battery electrics coming on strong, inventory optimization is the latest buzzword, as is integrated business planning. And one major issue that surrounds recruiting and retention still needs to be solved. Shedding some light on these issues is Bart Huthwaite, Principal at RSM. Bart has extensive supply chain operations and business transformation consulting experience across the value chain. Today, he walks us through the trends and issues surrounding these massive changes in the supply base. Bart Huthwaite is my guest today on this week's episode of Automotive Insiders. Bart, it is a pleasure to welcome you into Automotive Insiders. Good to have you on. Jason, it's my pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Lots of conversation, Bart, around macroeconomic headwinds. We've talked about that uh, many times on this program. But give me your perspective on some of the uh, most important factors that we need to be thinking about as we consider the economic headwinds, whether it's energy or uh, labor or, well, you tell me. Well, certainly, I think inflation is front and center in everybody's mind. We have seen some improvement over the past couple of reporting cycles, which has been terrific. In fact, we just got the latest reading today on the 14th that showed a continued decrease in CPI. However, the trend is starting to flatten a little bit. So it's still expensive to operate out there. We're talking to a lot of our clients and, you know, they really focused on building inventories to ensure that they could meet customer expectations. But now as the economy starts to turn, we're seeing a lot of companies with excess inventory, and that's starting to get quite expensive. So it's having a lot of companies rethink about that current inventory position and really work hard to get to a healthier position. You know, that's that's certainly one area. Um, Another area is the labor. You know, we continue to see just a fantastic jobs market. Plenty of opportunity that's out there. We are seeing some layoffs, mostly in tech, but we are starting to see some layoffs in automotive, certainly. Uh, And in Europe, we're starting to actually see some foreclosures as well. So I think the, the draw of manufacturing is a challenge for some of the younger workforce. And and the needs are there from the automotive standpoint. You know, we really do need to recruit and retain top talent. But we're running into a situation where there's just better money to be made in other industries. Yeah. If you look at the real, um, real wage given inflation, manufacturing is one of those industries that's really driving negative, as opposed to services industries or other industries where it hasn't really had as big of an impact. So th- those are just a couple of thoughts from a macroeconomic standpoint. What do you make of the cost of capital right now? And the effect that uh, the cost of capital is having on uh, on business prosperity. 
Absolutely. It's, it's huge. So it's really constraining some of the necessary investments that need to be made, forcing our clients to be far more, um, you know, prioritize those investments and really ensure that they're aligned with their strategy and really going to drive the needle in terms of where they want to go. But it, it, it's all, it's pervasive across the enterprise. We've talked a bit about inventory, you know, it's inventory carrying costs are going up. And so we're really, we do a lot of work with private equity folks. And so this is an area that, you know, we're, we're really starting to take a look at, um, you know, less from the cost of capital, but more just cost savings as well. A lot of procurement activity happening right now. Part of the kind of move from the global globalization to more of a realization, a regionalization model, a lot of folks are looking for alternative and more diverse suppliers to try to increase their resiliency and potentially reduce some of the disruptions that we've had over the past couple of years. This would be another lever where companies are trying to, again, reduce costs, look for those purchasing synergies. On so, supply chain trends, you talk about going from efficiency to resiliency. What do you mean by that? So after the advent of containers, there is a big push towards trying to take advantage of low cost labor and economies of scale. And so there is you know, a migration east and a lot of manufacturing, a lot of our clients moved to Asia, particularly China. Labor was cheap and their um, transportation was not overly expensive. And so it made a lot of sense to really focus on single site manufacturing situations where you have very closely proximate, uh, close suppliers and value chains. And so that was easy and very easy to continue to push down the costs of operations. Well, as we've seen over the past couple of years, that was highly disrupted. And so we're seeing the pendulum switch back towards a balance of efficiency with resiliency. We don't see companies particularly wanting to exit China holistically, but they want to start to think about how can they get close to the customer perhaps moving their operations and their supply base closest to the customers. So if there is a disruption, it doesn't impact the entire value chain. It only impacts a portion of it. It's almost like we're going back to back in time to the old days when, you know, supply chains were much more localized and just the, you know, the advent of technology, transportation, the, uh, deregulation of transportation, that really drove us to a very, very, very efficient model, very dependent on global suppliers, leveraging low cost transportation, labor, and so on. We don't seem to be able to uh, have the appetite for that level of risk moving forward. So I think what we're seeing is a lot of our clients starting to look at more diverse operating models with operations in Europe perhaps not huge operations given some of the challenges there. A lot of focus on Mexico, South America, and North America. What can we bring back to the, to the states? So again, I don't think it's a wholesale retreat from China per se, although we do have some clients that are exiting. Uh, however, we do see a lot more diversification in both manufacturing and distribution footprints for our clients. When we talk about semiconductors, of course, this has been all we've talked about, it seems, for the last couple of years. Where do you see demand right now? Uh, what's happening in the space? And where are we going to go from here? Yeah, so in terms of the semiconductors, I, 
it feels like things have definitely improved. I think everybody's enjoying a little bit of a reprieve from where we've been. However, I don't think we're out of the woods yet. Right now, the demand for PCs, tablets, consumer electronics has fallen off a cliff. And so you're not seeing that competitive demand against automotive for some of those chips. And so that's kind of thing one. There's not this, this tug of war between consumer electronics, very high margin chips, and then the automotive analog chips. And so right now we're enjoying some of that excess capacity. However, when that demand for those other products comes back, then we're going to see, you know, uh, the automotive chips starting to be constrained again. So that's one factor, just a demand phenomena. The other factor would be the number and volume of chips going into new vehicles. It's continuing to increase and increase. And so, you know, that's another contributing factor that if you start to, you know, build up the number of chips and then demand creeps up on the other uh, consumer electronics and what have you, you're going to run into another situation. Compounding that further, analog chips are not the sexiest and most high margin out there. And so when we talk about building capacity for semiconductors in the U.S., um, then it's not necessarily going to focus primarily on those analog chips. It's a very mature process that's used for automotive semiconductors. And so a, not a lot of investment is going in to continuously improve that process. A lot of the you know, innovations are being pointed at those higher margin chips. So those are three factors, again, that I think are going to be compounding the chip situation for us kind of into the, into the future. We're enjoying a little bit of, perhaps it's the eye of the hurricane, if you will, but as demand increases, the number of chips in vehicles increases and that investment in capacity is pointed elsewhere other than analog, I think we're going to see some challenges return. We're also talking a lot, Bart, about inventory these days and you know a bit of a normalization to some extent, but you talk about inventory optimization. What do you mean by that? So it's really remarkable the, um, the lack of visibility that a lot of mid-market companies have into their uh, inventory planning and management processes. We spend a lot of time helping clients better understand their current inventory position and then segment it based on some tried and true supply chain tactics, you know, essentially comparing the value or volume of inventory against the demand variability, coming up with a stratification of your inventory with the high runners, the repeaters in the upper left, which is very easy to plan around. And so it's very easy to get your arms around what the safety stock should be, what the reorder points should be and so on and so forth. Whereas down on the bottom right of that quadrant, those are, slower moving um, items that are more difficult to plan around. The challenge is a lot of our clients aren't proactively updating their systems, in particular their MRP planning parameters in their ERPs to optimize and maintain a healthy inventory position. They set it and let it ride for you know, a long period of time. And so we're really coming in and helping clients to a, get to a better inventory position, but think about those inventory planning and management controls and processes that are going to allow you to maintain that healthier inventory position. So that's kind of thing one. We're, you know, there was a client uh, that I was out at last week and we found, you know, 
double digit millions of dollars in cash flow that we could free up by burning down excess inventory or selling obsolete inventory. So these are, you know, it's attractive. People need money now. And that's, you know, that's one source, but that's only one area. As we move forward, I think the the next horizon is really, okay, we're talking about optimizing our inventory. How do we optimize the value chains inventory? Multi-echelon inventory optimization is really where I think we're going to be headed in the future. You know, in the past, we've seen kind of the OEMs working with the tier ones, and then it was really up to the tier tier ones to manage the lower chain tiers. I think we're going to see a lot more visibility and transparency across those value chains, a lot more awareness from the OEMs, by the OEMs of those sub-tier suppliers, and a lot more collaboration to really work towards optimize the inventory across that value chain, offering a win-win for all players along the way, and hopefully some savings for client customers as well. Final subject, Bart, battery electric vehicles and raw materials. We've heard a lot and seen a lot around raw material pricing over the course of the last year. What are you seeing now and what does 2023 hold for raw material pricing? And then how does that relate to uh, battery electric vehicle uh, acceptance? Yeah, I think we're seeing some you know, interesting pricing going on, some discounts in the EV space. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out, whether or not truly we're gonna have a, a price war. I, I kind of doubt that, but I do believe for EVs, um, the raw materials are critical. And, you know, somebody, I don't know how accurate this is, but somebody recently told me that, you know, China controls 80% of some of the critical ingredients that go into lithium ion batteries. You know, that's a problem. So I think what we're going to see is a lot of activity trying to shore up those critical raw, raw materials and access to those. And to do that, we're already starting to see a lot of collaboration and partnerships. You know, Ford announced they're building a battery factory um, just recently. GM is focusing on the same. So you're going to see a lot more focus between companies to really, truly secure There's those rare earth materials that are so critically needed for, uh, for better electric vehicles. I think you might also see, you know, a lot of innovation and focus on what are some alternative materials that could be used to help. Uh, further electrification, or perhaps did we jump off of hydrogen too quickly? Are we going to see a resurgence of some of the, you know, the other um, options that might be out there? I believe Nikola, uh, the the um, tractor trailer EV company, is is looking at that and is working on trying to get that to scale. So I think the, you know. Push towards EV is going to continue to accelerate as we've seen. It's, you know, still has a long way to go before it hits a tipping point. But I think we saw in EU that they're going to be banning ICE engines in the not too distant future. So we're seeing a lot of kind of regulatory and socioeconomic pushes towards that. And so I think there's going to be, you know, an acceleration of the adoption of EVs, but they're the answer on what the batteries are and what the powertrain answers are has yet to be resolved. There's a lot of challenges. The rare earths, uh, minerals is, is a big problem. And so that's going to be an area for a lot of in, in, innovation going forward for some time to come, I would believe. 
Excellent analysis as always. Bart, thank you so much for being on Automotive Insiders and giving us a lot to think about as it relates to macroeconomic headwinds, supply chain trends, and of course, everyone's favorite subject, battery electric vehicles. (laughs) Thank you again for being on the program. Jason, it's been a pleasure to be with you today. Thanks for the opportunity. Thank you. That's this episode of Automotive Insiders. Remember to follow the program wherever your favorite podcast appears. And thanks again to my guest, Bart Huthwaite, principal at RSM. And thanks for listening to Automotive Insiders. I'm Jason Stein. We'll talk to you again next time.